For most of his working life, my father was a university professor specializing in curriculum development for vocational programs. He worked at various universities, public universities uh, across the country. But earlier in his life, he had some interesting jobs. Not that being a university professor isn't interesting, but you'll see what I'm meaning here in just a moment. One day, he was uh, while working as a parts manager at a Ferrari dealership on the West Coast. Uh, his boss came to him and said, uh, hey, would you like to buy a car? Now, you may rightly ask, what car was it? Let me just put an example here up on the screen. Just thinking about it. There we go, yes. Now, for those of you that don't know, uh, this is an Aston Martin DBR1. And uh, back in the day, in the 1950s, from 1956 to 1959, uh, these were made by Aston Martin. There was not very many of them made. They were purely for sports racing, and they were fairly successful. Uh, One of them in 1959 actually won the 24 Hours of Le Mans, which even today, it's, it's a race in France. It's considered to be one of the most arduous and prestigious races to win. Now, they were not offering my father the Le Mans winner, but it was, it was one of the line, the few of the DBR ones. And my dad, uh, being into racing himself, said, well, how much do you want? His boss said, $5,000. Now, $5,000 today will get you a broken tricycle with no front wheel. Okay. Uh, but in those days, if, if you account for, for inflation, I believe it works out to about $36,000 in today's money. Okay. So, you know, not, not chump change, but not stratospheric either. In fact, last year, at the end of last year, 2022, the average selling price of the, the mainstream market car, so not luxury cars, but in the United States, the average price of a new car paid was $48,000. I know, crazy, isn't it? Yeah. But what that means is, is that basically his boss was offering him a a relatively storied race car for used car money, $5,000. This is in the early 70s. And my dad thought about it, thought, okay, how could I make that work? Maybe I I, I call a friend, I could sell this, I could do this, you know, second mortgage on the house, something like this. And, And finally, he decided not to buy the car. Because, as he told me many years later, it was just an old race car. Some of you know what I'm going to say next, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, indeed, years later at auction, in fact, uh, not too long ago, it was August of 2017, uh, one of these DBR1s sold at auction... Not for one million, not for two million, not for five, not for ten, not for twenty million dollars. It set a record actually for a British made car, $22.5 million. Meaning that my dad's initial investment of five thousand dollars would have been multiplied six hundred and twenty-five times. I mean, my college would have been paid for if my dad had bought that car. I mean, we, would have, I, we all would have had great houses. I mean, life would have been very, very different if my dad had just spent used car money on that Aston Martin. Isn't it remarkable 
how even moderate investments now can sometimes yield huge returns later. And as it turns out, what's true in the automotive world is even more true in the spiritual. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. While you're turning there to Luke 24, 13, let me remind you of where we have been. This is part two of a very short series entitled Great Teachers. And in part one, uh, we were reminded by the story of the calling of Levi Matthew that our mission is the same as Christ's. Christ called Levi Matthew to follow him. Jesus invites us to follow him and in turn that we would invite others to follow Christ as well. May the chain be unbroken, Jesus is saying. Keep inviting people to follow me. We also did this thought experiment. In the spirit of reaching others for Jesus, we said, what if, what if 500 guests We're here the first Sabbath of January, 2024. Guests that did not know Jesus, they were not yet ready for Jesus to come. What would we do? And then, of course, we discovered that it wasn't so much a thought experiment as it is reality. We do indeed have hundreds of students that are about to descend on our campus, many of which are not yet ready for Jesus to come. Maybe they made a decision for Him, they've fallen away. Maybe they've never made a decision for Him, and they are going to be here on our campus, in our sanctuary. What a privilege we have. And so we said, well, what do we need to do to prepare for that? Uh, we talked about Madam Hawk. We don't, we don't want Madam Hawk uh, in our lobbies. We talked about 1 Corinthians 13. We need to have the love of Jesus for our students. And then I, I, I very cruelly left you on a cliff hanging. I said, what is it that we need to do to reach our students? I'll give you some practical things. Then I said, we'll talk about it in part two. Well, true to my word, we are going to do that this morning. With Christ's love firmly in our hearts, what specific things can we do to help our students to know Christ as their personal friend and Savior? To get at that, Luke chapter 24, begin with verse 13. This is, this is one of my, you're going to hear this many a time, favorite stories in the Bible. It, how do you, I mean, if somebody asked you, which one of your kids do you love the most? I mean, this is, you can't, there's just so many good stories here. This is a very rare story in that it happens post-resurrection and Jesus is in it. There's very few stories like that in the gospel. You know, John has Jesus at the Sea of Galilee, uh, second miraculous catch of fish, etc. This is Jesus. It's actually the same day as the resurrection. This is, this is Sunday and uh, he meets some people. Let's see what happens. Verse 13, Luke 24. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Hmm. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. 
And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Pause for just a moment. If all you read are the words on paper of what comes next, it can, it can sound a little cruel, okay? I just want to remind you that the cross is now in the rearview mirror. Jesus is not looking to make someone's day worse. This is the joyful risen Savior now. And he is with two disciples that, that he knows their hearts, he knows their sincerity, he knows they're looking for good things. He's not going to disappoint them. This is not a cruel rebuke that is coming. This is an invitation. Here's what he says. Verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Pause again, please. Because we need to note something very important. I'm going to put it on the screen here for you. It is entirely possible to be in the presence of God and not know it. Let that sink in. It is entirely possible to be in the presence of God and not know it. Now, to be fair to the story, earlier we just read, it says that they were kept from recognizing him, right? So, so there is a divine element to this, this lack of apprehension on their part. So we're not going to completely blame uh, uh, Cleopas and, and, and his companion there. But by the same token, we must immediately confess that there are many other reasons besides divine blinders that keep us from recognizing the presence of God, even when he is right there. You know, I think we could safely say, I mean, I, I, don't have a, I don't have a poll that tells me this for sure, but I'm fairly certain that the majority of the world is in this camp. And I know for certain that high-handed sinners would be in this camp. You, you, you know what I mean? People who know what is wrong and they rejoice in it. They're going to keep on doing their thing. Yes, if Jesus walked through their living room, they probably would not understand that this was God himself, Okay. But let's just, uh, let's bring it right down here, right here on this campus. There's a lot of pastors and, and teachers on this campus. We, we are blessed. And we must readily admit, if we are honest, that sometimes we can become so used to dealing with that which is holy that it becomes commonplace to us. You know, one of the great blessings, as I mentioned with our, our faculty, faculty institute earlier this week, one of the great blessings of, of working for the Lord is that you get to deal with the things of the Lord all the time. One of the greatest risks of working for the Lord is that you deal with things of the Lord all the time. And that which is holy can become mundane. It is possible to be in the presence of God and not even know it. Many of our students that are about to arrive on our campus will be in this category. You know, a tiny minority of them will be high-handed sinners. You know, they, they're doing what's wrong and they like it and they know it, so they're not going to see it. But perhaps there will be many, many, many more others that for whatever reason, because they're distracted, maybe the, you know, the, the world has made inroads into their life, for whatever reason, when they come onto this campus, in we pray the presence of the Lord. It is possible that they will not recognize it right away. 
Which leads me to ask what I think is a very important question. How can we fix that? How can we help whatever blinders are on their eyes to come off that they may see Jesus? We want them to know Jesus, amen? And you cannot know Jesus unless you somehow see him. You must apprehend him and his presence, his work. So how do we fix that? How do we help them to see the Jesus that is here? Well, blessedly, we can look at what Jesus did. What did Jesus do to help take the blinders off of Cleopas and his companion's spiritual eyes? Hmm. Let's check it out. Uh, Verse 27, it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the, what's the next word there? Scriptures, all the scriptures concerning himself. (laughs) Let's keep going here. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Just like that. Vanished. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? How is it That Jesus wakes up these two spiritual seekers to the reality of his presence. Clearly, the first answer is through the word. It was through the scriptures. That is what Jesus used to bring Cleopas and his friend to their senses. Obviously, the scriptures played heavily in that. And the same is to be true for us. If we are to successfully help our students to see Jesus, we must be people of the word. We must be people of this book. We must know it. We must live it. We must study it each day. We must incorporate it into our lives that we can honestly say, we know Jesus. Come and follow us as we follow him. This word is crucial to the revival that we are looking for. And, and, Did you notice what this gift of the word was wrapped up in? Did you see the circumstances under which Jesus used the word to help them recognize him? This is really important. Please listen carefully. The gift that this revelation of Jesus Christ... To Cleopas, his companion, and to us, and to our students, the gift that this is wrapped up in is the gift of time. 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 The gift that Jesus gave us was first and foremost his life on the cross. That story is most securely found in his word, this book, the Bible. No question about that. But part and parcel of that gift is the profound gift of time. Follow me closely here. In the Garden of Eden, what did God do in the cool of the evening? 
He came and walked with Adam and Eve, didn't he? He came and walked. Now, think about that. God, who knows everything, who knew Adam and Eve's thoughts, could have just, you know, communicated and, hmm, I hear you, I hear you, through my brain. God instead said, I need to be with you. I need to spend time with you. And so he walks with him in the cool of the evening. God walked and talked with Enoch. He spent time with him. We know how that story ended, don't we? Enoch went to heaven. God spent time with Abraham, with the Jews as a nation in general, with, with Daniel, with Isaiah, with the other prophets. When Jesus comes, when the Messiah comes, they call him, among other names, Emmanuel, which means God with us. God spending time with us. And Jesus spent time. Oh, did he spend time with his 12 disciples. You know, the stories that we have written in the Gospels are, are obviously very good stories. But it doesn't cover all that Jesus did. In fact, John even confesses this, doesn't he, towards the end of his Gospel. If all the stories were written down about Jesus, the whole world would not have room enough to, to hold them. Because Jesus spent so much time with people. He spent time with his disciples. They went to synagogue. He spent time walking back from synagogue. He spent time in debate with the Pharisees and the scribes. In the presence, he spent time with the disciples almost all across Judea. And yes, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus spent significant time with Cleopas and his companion. How long does it take you to walk seven miles? Yeah, I've been to that part of the world. It's not exactly all paved and straight, okay? It's not rest areas you can pull off you like on a turnpike or something. It's, it's rough territory. So figure about two hours if they're walking. For two hours, Jesus opens their eyes through the Scripture. He spent time with them going over hill, over dale, starting with, you know, it says, goes with Moses, so the first five books of the Bible, then he goes through the prophets, and that covers most of the rest of it. And he, he shares all of these things in the space of two hours. He invested serious time with them. And even when Jesus left this earth, he soon sent his Holy Spirit so that we could quite literally spend all time with him. And someday soon, Jesus is going to return to this earth so that we can spend time with him for eternity. In fact, the very concept of atonement, you know, it's not strictly correct, but if you break the word down into three parts, at one month, God with us, the very notion of atonement shouts at the top of its lungs that God longs to be with us, to spend time with us. So, until Jesus comes back, God knows something. He knows that to save us, he must spend time with us. And thus it should come as no surprise that the same is true for those of us who would sign up to help God in this great work of helping our students to be ready for heaven as well. Many of them will not come to know Jesus as we do unless we give them our time. You want to know how to reach our students for Christ? You want to be a great teacher for them, one who shows them clearly the love of Jesus, then give them the gift of your time and let me now show you some very specific and practical ways to do that. If you have your bulletin, uh, take a look there at the insert. There's a connect card that's in there. If you have your smartphone, go ahead and scan the QR code uh, that is in the, uh, in the bulletin there. 
Uh, If you are online and watching us, uh, we're going to put up a number on the screen that you can text a single word to. Text the word ENGAGE, E-N-G-A-G-E, ENGAGE. Text that word and you'll be sent a link to what it is that we're going to be looking at. I want to share with you a number of ways that we can engage with our university students. Now, very quickly, uh, some of you have asked, can we do something similar to what you're suggesting for our elementary school and our high school students? And the answer is a resounding yes, 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 yes. There are some legalities involved for minors. And so I'm, I do not sit here prepared today to give you uh, what we're planning for our, 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 our younger students uh, at Ruth Murdoch and public high schools at Andrews Academy. That is in the works. We're coming to that. Uh, we'll share it with you at a later date. For today, let's take a peek at some things that we can do to spend important time with our university students. There's three levels of engagement, investment, that I'm asking that you would make. The first one, hardly any time at all. The second one, a little bit more time. The third one, yes, even more time still, but great return over time on investment. Let's take a look at this. Uh, If you're looking at uh, this Connect card here, at the very top, there's a place for your name and your contact information. Please don't forget that. We really do want to get that information from you. In the first category, it says great, way, great teachers for great students, ways to engage our students for Christ. Level one, simple and powerful. First thing there, pray daily for our students. There's a reason this is number one. Would, would you like to see revival in the worldwide Seventh-day Adventist church? All right, the tepidness of that response proves why exactly we need revival in the Seventh-day Adventist church. I'm going to give you one more chance. Would you like to see revival in the worldwide Seventh-day Adventist church? Yeah, amen, amen. Let it begin here. Praise the Lord. And we are told very clearly that a revival need only be expected in answer to prayer. So this is serious business, and it's the lowest hanging fruit for any of us. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to be any special place. Anywhere you are, you can pray for our student body. Pray for our new students that are coming. Pray for our students that are returning. Pray for our faculty and for our staff. Pray for me. Pray for our pastoral staff here at Pioneer. Pray for all of us that there will be God's will done on this campus. Secondly, greet them warmly. Greet students warmly at church on Sabbath. This is a huge thing. When you see somebody who even remotely looks like they're a student, check for bags under their eyes, okay? This will help you to see, all right? And they look at, just welcome them. Hi there, I'm so-and-so. I'm a member here at Pioneer. I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Thank you for coming. Just do it. Every one that looks like a student, invite them, welcome them here. That'd be excellent. Learn their names, number three, and use them when you see them. Now, some of you have been amazed when I have remembered your name. And many of you have been gracious when I did not. Thank you. That's kind of you. I understand that not everybody can, can, can memorize 2,000 names, but you can remember five. You can learn five over the course of a year. My baseline challenge to you, if you check this box, and I hope you do, learn at least five names. And when you see them on a Sabbath morning, greet them by their name and tell, tell, tell them that you're glad that they're here. Few th- you know, our names are important, right? Our names are important. When you call somebody by name, it means that you remember that they're important. And if they're important to you as a member of Pioneer, they're also important to... Exactly, to God as well. Be that reflection. Simple thing here. And lastly, love them. Do what Jesus would do if he were in your shoes, whatever situation you're in with a university student. That's the first level. Level number two. A little more time required. Invite students home for Sabbath lunch. But you say, Pastor Shane, I can't cook. Do you have a Costco membership? Okay, if you're an Adventist, you know, you get your baptismal certificate and a Costco card. They go right together, okay? 
right? Because we're cheap and we like a good deal and we know where to find those and that's at Costco, okay? So if you've got your Costco card, buy lasagna, right? Just get, get a tray of lasagna. You can buy everything prefab. The students will know that it's Costco because their parents do the same thing back home, all right? But it's good food and they'll be there for lunch and you can get to know people, but it gives you the time that you can invest in. Now, secondly, make extra food and invite students to potluck with you. Now, if there are any university students here, let me just tell you a little secret. Some adults are scared of you. They, they don't know what to say, right? It's been a long time since they were cool and they know it, okay? So back to the adults now. If you go to potluck, there's other people to carry the conversation, right? Okay, so you make extra food. We, we, we don't want to take the food from other people. So make extra food. Invite students to potluck. There'll be lots of people. You can have good conversations together. Uh, next there, attend student events, concerts, games, club events where appropriate, etc. You know, doing this type of thing is a great thing to do. If you start to go, for instance, to, 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 to the Howard or, or to other places where there are students that are performing and you learn names, it's actually easy to do because you can look at the printed program. You kind of cheat, right? You learn the name there. And then afterwards you go up and say, hi, you're so-and-so, aren't you? I'm so-and-so. I'm a member at Pioneer. I just want to say I really appreciated the music that you just shared with us. It, it, they will remember. <laughs> they will remember that. I'm going to tell you a secret now. University students, just going to close your ears here. University students do miss home. Almost all of them do miss home. Their parents aren't here to come to their, their concerts or to their games most of the time. You can be their spiritual parents in the absence of their biological parents. Uh, next one there. Help students unload um, belongings into the dormitory and or bring them food. This starts tomorrow. As Pastor Prescott said in Pioneer Post, tomorrow morning is when our freshmen are arriving. Many of them are already here, but tomorrow morning they're going to be moving into the dormitory. I think 8.30 is their first stop at Howard, and then after that they're going to be moving into the dorm. If you've got a strong back, you can go over there to, to the dorm parking lots, and you can help people move in. Just look for people that are, that are sweating, Okay. And you can help carry 150 pounds of bottled water up to the top floor into the dormitories, right? <laughs> Students, we do sell bottled water in this area. If you, you don't have to bring it from home. It's okay. We'll, we'll supply you here. And if you don't have a strong back, but you've got a good menu, bake some cookies and bring it to the families moving into the dorm. You know, they will not turn you away. I guarantee it. If you say, hi there, I'm so-and-so and and I'm a a Pioneer Memorial Church member and I have cookies for you, they will welcome you in. You will be an instant friend just like that, okay? And while you do that, I would like you to do something. We have here uh, this year's bookmark. This is is PMC's Pioneer's bookmark. On the back of it, it has contact information for the church. There's going to be a stack of these on the front pews. There's going to be stacks of them next to the offering uh, baskets at the doors when you go out. If you, if you don't see them there, check another location because we would like to have each freshman and their families be able to have one of these bookmarks. You go and you say, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm from Pioneer Memorial Church. I'm so glad that you're here. Can we help you move in? Can you have, would you like a cookie? Please take this bookmark. This will let you know how to get in touch with us. Come and join us for worship next Sabbath. You can sit with me. Use this card. We want to pass this all out. We're going to make more. There's going to be more for next weekend as well because one week from tomorrow, all returning students are coming back. You can go over to the dormitories and help them move in. Now, uh, Jim would want me to mention this. Tomorrow also happens to be our church work bee. You know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there are enough people in this church that we can do two things at once. Okay? 
So those of you that you know God has called you to pull weeds, we need you tomorrow morning, right here, 8.30 to 12.30, okay? Those of you that God is pushing towards the dormitories in there, please be there. We can do both of these things at once. Let's let our students know that they are welcome here. Third level, a little more time, major rewards. Uh, first one there, Friday or Saturday night, Vespers at your house. This is great if you can do it. You know, we have good Vespers office here on campus. If you can have a group of students to begin to form at your house there, wonderful, wonderful. Wouldn't it be great if your home became a discipleship center for students on this campus? I think that would be a great thing. Uh, next one there, Sabbath lunch followed by a hike or some other activity. So not just food, but you're going to make an afternoon of it. You can go out to the, to the, to the beach here, you can go to the lake, go to other places as weather provides. Next one there, a Sunday outing that you sponsor. You know, the weather here is warm almost all year long. <laughs> if you're a polar bear. Okay. So I realize this may, you, you may have to adjust the activities, but if you can do something on a Sunday, I realize your know, students are very busy, they're studying hard, all of this, but if there's a space, they'll go for it, especially if you're buying, okay? And if you can provide these opportunities to do things off campus, you know, special events in the community, there's lots of cultural events that happen within half an hour, 45 minutes of here, lots of students with varied taste, you can make a trip of it on a Sunday. Now, shut-in visitation, I've seen this do really, really good things as far as bonding members and students together. You and a student can go together to visit people at a hospital or a care facility or something, they'll be tickled pink to see you, and you will help to disciple a student in the process. Uh, Adopt a student. This one goes all year. This is pray for and supply a student with gifts from home for a school year. Now, gifts from home, what does that mean? You know, when you're away from home, there's few things as good as, as chocolate, as fresh bread. You know, if you bring a fresh loaf of bread and you give it to a dorm student, you know, if you go to the guy's dorm, they won't have any utensils or anything, but they'll just tear off hunks and start eating it, all right? Because it tastes like home. It smells like home. Do this for an entire year. Send them notes on occasion. Send them an email. Say, hey, just praying for you. You know, finals are coming up. I want you to know that we're praying for you. What a great way to make a friend and to love people as Jesus loves them. Uh, volunteer to help sponsor or put on school events. There's all kinds of things that are already happening on Andrew's campus. We're going to make ways for you to be, get involved with, with the chaplain's office, student life, etc. That if you wish to, you can become part of the crew that put those events on. Adopt a school. This is cool. Adopt a school. I don't mean the entire university. I do mean something like this. What if uh, you and perhaps some other families decided you were going to adopt, say, the School of Architecture? And uh, we would arrange for a meeting with you and the department head, and you would arrange to do certain things throughout the school. Those families would come. You'd provide refreshments at, at testing time. You'd come and pray with students. Uh, you'd be able to maybe hold a, a year-end picnic or something just outside in front of their building. Maybe they have a special chapel for their department, and, and you could help be a part of that as a member of the Pioneer Memorial Church. I think this would be a great thing if every department on campus had somebody that was adopting them, praying for them, and seeking to serve them as Jesus would. We have a slot here for other. There's things I'm sure that we haven't thought about, but that you have. Please don't hesitate to write that idea down. And the last one here, at least on your printed copy, there's actually one last after the last. I'll tell you that in just a moment. But on the printed copy here, assist with any of the above. You're not open to leading the above activities, but will be open to helping others carry them out. Maybe your home isn't going to be the home for a Friday night Vespers, but you would like to help somebody to do that in their home. Put that down. We will make sure that you get connected. And there is one last thing. Those of you that are looking at the online version, you already see it. Those of you that have the printed copy, let me tell you what's missing. We are essentially starting a new ministry right now during this sermon. Portions of this have been done in the past and been done very well. COVID came. It knocked the wind out of our sails. 
it's time to start blowing again. We're, we're, we want to get this. We don't want this just to be a 2023, 2024 burst of energy. We want to see this continue until Jesus comes back. And so to make that happen, I am announcing the beginning of a brand new ministry right now. You've just heard what we're doing at the outset. It doesn't have a leader, it doesn't have a name, and it doesn't have a support team. Someone say amen. amen. And now we're going to see if we can fix that. The last box, those of you online, you already see it. There's a space there at the bottom of your card if you have the printed copy. If you would like to be considered to be part of the leadership team, probably going to have one or more pastors that are assigned to help give some, some, some guidance and supervision, but we do need a leadership team that will oversee the outreach to our, men, to our university students. If you are gifted in that way and you would like to be a part of that ministry team, would you just check that box if you're online? If you're here in person and you're writing on the card, just put leadership team. Write that in the blank towards the bottom there. Leadership team, those two words. And even if you're not an upfront person, even if you're not someone that maybe you're, you're not the, the, the you know, major leader with the big vision or whatnot, but you know how to make a vision happen. You are good with infrastructure. You can set places up. You know how to call people and gather people together to put events on. If you're that kind of person, please also check that box or write leadership team in that blank. We're building the plane while we're flying it. I just got here. Cut me a little slack. We're going to put this thing together. I think we stand on the cusp of great things between Pioneer and our university students. How do you turn the cards in? Electronically, obviously, you just hit submit. We'll take care of it. For those of you that have the cards, if you can put them in the offering baskets as you exit, just make sure they get in the offering basket. The deacons will collect them and they will make their way to me and we will get started. Now, I leave you with this. Having lived a life of adventure, many of the stories from my life have broken bones, car chases, and blood. But the best stories of my life are the stories of when other people invested time in me. You know, I think of Bert Kurtz, my fifth and sixth grade teacher at Valley View Adventist Academy in Arroyo Grande, California. He was a World War II veteran. He told all kinds of stories, great stories. We learned all kinds of things, not just about history, but about life. And we talk about a life lesson, World War II. I mean, there were all kinds of things that happened. He would, he would tell us these stories. He took us to outdoor school. Uh, we go up in the mountains there in Central California, and, and he, he, he taught the guys you know, how, to, how to whittle a stick, okay? And he taught us how to identify things like poison oak before you step in it, that kind of stuff. I think of Mark Lovejoy. He was my seventh and eighth grade teacher in, in the same school. And he not only spent time with us in the classroom, but he also took us on a whole bunch of trips. That we go on class trip and other, you know, these, these enrichment trips that he would take us on. He would always tell us, he had this famous phrase, anybody that ever had Mark Lovejoy as, as a teacher, you know this phrase, go for the gold. He would say, go for the gold. Don't, don't settle for second place. Don't be mediocre. Be all that God has called you to be. Go for the gold. He invested serious time in me. I think of Bob and Glenna Marshall. You know, technically, they were my parents' friends. You, you know what I mean by that. They were my parents' friends. But we would go out on Sabbath afternoons to, to beautiful places on the Central California coast. And, and while, when they weren't taking care of their kids, they would turn to me and my sister, and, and they would teach us about, okay, this is what's in this tidal pool here. Or these are the birds, and this is about the ocean. They would teach us things. They invested time in me. I think of Steve Fuller. 
he was the, the friend of my, of my friend, he was the father of my friend Brian, and he would come on Sundays and play basketball with us. Now, Steve Fuller was absolutely ancient. I mean, I think he was 45 years old. I, I was astonished that anybody his age could still move on a basketball court, right? Okay. But he was using whatever few breaths he had left to play basketball with us on the court. I mean, it's astonishing. I'll never forget it. And there was Pastor Ferguson in Oklahoma. You know, this was when I was just starting out in college. I initially thought he was a nice guy, but somewhat stodgy and unapproachable. And then he came to camp meeting and he played softball with the young adults that were, that were playing softball there. I can still see him. He was always well-dressed. He was out there playing shortstop, dress shoes, dress slacks, very nice dress shirt. Tie had been taken off, top button unbuttoned with a glove on his hand. He was awesome on a softball field. I mean, I thought Superman had stepped into a phone booth and come out and played on our team. It was amazing. I listened to everything Pastor Ferguson said after that because he invested time in me. You know, the list could go on and on of people that did that. They invested time in me, and to me, they became some of the greatest teachers that I have ever known. Ladies and gentlemen, that can be you. You can be a great teacher who loves our students and teaches them about the Savior. You can be a teacher who doesn't only talk about God and His love, but rather one that also shows it, that lives it out. And the time, the time that you invest in our students will not be like some exotic sports car that merely returns a financial reward. It can instead result in something far more valuable. Eternity. Eternity spent with Christ and each other. You see, as it turns out, love really is a matter of time. And those that we are pledged to love, our students, they will be here starting tomorrow and in earnest two Sabbaths from now. May every one of us think prayerfully how we can take the time to truly be a great teacher for our students.